0: Welcome to episode number three of Partisan Bites, your stop for top news and commentary of the week, brought to you in bite-sized form. I'm Nick Fowler. Definitely the biggest news internationally of the week would be the terrorist attack this past Wednesday in London, uh, which left five people dead, including the attacker. On Thursday, the Islamic State claimed responsibility for the attack, and UK authorities have identified uh, Khalid Massoud as the, as the attacker. He, he's a UK-born citizen with what appears to be a pretty lengthy criminal record, and at one time he was investigated by authorities for ties to Islamic extremism. He drove an SUV into a crowd of people, killing three, um, exited from the vehicle, and proceeded to stab a police officer to death at Britain's parliament before being shot and killed by police. While this attack has been vilified and condemned by many within the Muslim community worldwide, this will undoubtedly be used to spread fear and, uh, and further the anti-Muslim agenda here in the United States. You know, since since the attack on Wednesday, I've seen and heard people, you know, on TV and the news um, talking about, well, you know, seeing an attack like this, this is the exact reason why we need to have a ban on people coming in from Muslim majority countries until we kind of get a, a better vetting process in order. But what people need to keep in mind, this is a guy that came, you know, he didn't come from one of those countries. While stopping terrorist attacks must remain on the forefront of U.S. priorities, we must also – you know, we also have to keep in mind that these types of lone wolf attacks, which we've seen here in the United States, will always be difficult to predict and, and stop. We as a country need to hold strong to our beliefs as a welcoming society and reject the ideas being proposed by the media, by our people in our government, that the only way that we can stay safe is by keeping other people, you know, quote-unquote other people, out of our country. This completely goes against the values – that this country was founded on. In keeping with, with policies put in place to keep Americans safer, this week the U.S. government put in place a ban of uh, of small electronic devices like iPads, laptop computers, basically anything larger than a cell phone, from being carried on the flights headed to the U.S. from, I think it was eight or nine uh, Muslim-majority countries. I know it was from 10 different airports, but... From eight or nine countries, also, uh, this ban was put in place in the guise of safety, but it doesn't ban these devices from being checked in a, in a baggage. What would the difference be if a bomb was detonated in checked baggage or in someone's carry-on? It's still going to have the exact same effect. You know, uh, and that's why we need to, we as as a society need to be better and smarter. At looking at some of the policies our government is trying to put in place, what I believe is the the main principle behind this ban is something completely different. Uh, for some time now, U.S. airline companies have complained that their overseas competitors in the Gulf, like Etihad, like Emirates, like uh, um, Qatar Airways, have received huge subsidies from their home governments, and the airline- the u s air u s based airline companies had a meeting with president trump not i don't think it was too long after he took office to to voice these concerns. These subsidies that the other airlines have received have enabled these airlines to offer better amenities at a cheaper rate to their to their customers and Now that these airlines are pushing their way into u s markets u s based airline companies are worried about losing market share and obviously you know affecting their bottom line. So this new ban from the Trump administration would exclude U S based airline companies. So it's only affecting their competition. This looks as though the U S government is crafting policy to hurt foreign airline companies and hurt competition here in the United States, because these other airline companies can provide better flights at a cheaper price. So, you know, if if the U S based airliners want to compete with Eddy Ad and some of these other companies, they're going to have to find a way to cut their costs. Also, you know, I guess you know, so much for the free market in the United States that everyone always talks about. In other news this week, the Senate started hearings for President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Neil Gorsuch. During the confirmation hearings, Sen. Democrats uh, tried to pin Gorsuch down on several key decisions, such as abortion, women's rights, and gun rights, but he effectively. Avoided answering many of their questions, well Mr. Gorsuch has been a judge in the u s Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit for over ten years now, uh, with a long history of rulings. Senate Democrats were looking for some clarity on how he would rule on these topics in the future since Mr. Gorsuch was unwilling to offer such insight um into into how these issues would play out before him in court. Senate Democrats have stated already that they're going to filibuster his nomination, and uh, this requiring this would require the Senate to confirm him with uh, at least 60 votes. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell um, has stated before that they would consider using what they'd call the, the, the nuclear option if needed to, to confirm Mr. Gorsuch. The nuclear option would permanently change Senate rules and it would ban either party from using the filibuster against any Supreme Court nominee in the future. Not only are the Senate Democrats upset that Mr. Gorsuch has been unwilling to speak about his views on these areas, um, they're also still upset with that former President Obama's Supreme Court nominee, Merrick Garland, I mean, he never even received a meeting, let alone a hearing with Congress. For almost an entire year, Senate Democrats played political games by, by stalling President Obama's nominee until after he was going to be out of office, which as far as I know, was an unheard of political stunt in American political history. Uh, this action by Senate Republicans has poisoned the well to a certain extent, and will make it a lot harder, I think, for Mister Gorsuch to to receive the necessary votes to be confirmed, if he ever is. I know some people in the Senate that were were asking questions during the hearings had a lot of issues. I think that came up from his ruling in the. When the Hobby Lobby case was before him and he, you know, sided with Hobby Lobby that they had as a, as a corporation had stated religious beliefs that would allow them to exclude birth control in their, in their insurance plans to their employees. So I, I know that there were some issues that came up there and I don't think, and he never really answered any of those questions. You know, as it stands right now, I think the only way that he's going to confirmed to the Supreme Court is that they it, it is if the Republicans enact the nuclear option and completely disintegrate the the filibuster in the Senate staying with the opposing political factions another huge story of the week was Republicans fatal attempt to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act or uh, Obamacare as some call it. The replacement plan was completely rejected by uh, by House Democrats because the Congressional Budget Office, uh, said that the plan would uh, would cause 14 million people to lose their health care by 2018 and an estimated total of 24 million people by 2026. Many Republicans also rejected the plan, and President Trump and Speaker Ryan were unable to, to get the House Freedom Caucus, which is the the Tea Party faction of the House Republicans, to agree to the replacement plan, mainly because they felt that the the plan didn't go far enough. The House Freedom Caucus wanted any replacement bill to end Medicaid expansion almost immediately, and severely scale back or completely el- eliminate the Medicaid program entirely. The truth behind the Republicans' claim that the Affordable Care Act is failing, and the, the insurance companies are pulling out of the state exchanges, are proof of that story. You know, is it's a story of their own making. You know, it is true that the ACA is far, you know, it's far from a perfect plan. You know, and, and a lot of people have said that over the course of the past seven years. And there are definitely things that need to be tweaked and fixed to make the program functional for many more people, you know. But the reason that so many insurance companies have pulled out of these, the exchanges over the course of the past, you know, what uh, twelve to eighteen months, is because the Republicans in Congress have forced them to. You know, when when the ACA was crafted, Democrats in the House knew that telling insurance companies you know that they were going to have to cover everyone regardless of pre-existing conditions and that they had to get rid of the 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 lifetime coverage limits that insurance companies could potentially lose money the first decade of the ACA until they were able to get healthier people into plans to kind of mitigate the risk you know that they were going to face with covering older sicker people so to get the the insurance companies to go along with the deal congress agreed to make the insurance companies whole for any losses that they might face the first 10 years of the plan. Congress called these potential losses risk corridors. But on December 9, 2015, the Republican Congress slipped a little noticed healthcare provision into a gigantic spending law at, uh, and and no one really paid much attention to it. uh, But this provision defunded the risk corridors, which resulted in insurance companies only receiving 400 million of the 2.9 billion that they would have received prior to the defunding of these risk corridors in 2015. So, and Republicans in Congress actually bragged about how they saved the taxpayers 2.5 billion dollars that year by not funding these risk corridors. But these these unexpected losses they they are the real reason why insurance companies have begun to pull out of the marketplace. Not, you know, not because they fear the long-term viability of the ACA, but it's because they're they're taking on more risk. And Congress isn't going to live up to the end of their, their deal that they had made. Instead of scrapping the ACL together, we need to improve the system by creating a public option that should have been there in the first place that would allow Americans to buy into Medicaid. And eventually we, we can join the rest of the modern world by making healthcare a right in this country and providing it to all citizens out of the other 30 or so, you know, largest economies in the world. The United States is the only one that doesn't have healthcare as a guaranteed right. So, you know, by creating a, let's say Medicaid for all program, we'd be able to cut a lot of waste out of the billions of dollars we dump, we dump back into, into insurance companies a year and really get better results at a lower overall cost. And it's kind of surprising to me that so many, you know, fiscal conservative people in Congress or in our country as a whole Don't see it like that. You know, don't see it as a, Hey, we can do this program here. We are the greatest country on earth. Why are we unable to take a plan that works in so many other countries and make a better plan and work better here and would allow us to cut the costs to the, to the U S government to you know, lessen the tax burden on people, on people in our society, but I'm surprised there aren't more fiscally conservative people out there that are screaming about a Medicaid for all program that would lower costs. Finally, in much lighter news, I'd like to congratulate the U.S. men's soccer team for their 6-0 win over Honduras last night. Led by Clint Dempsey's three goals, the U.S. pulled their way up out of last place in the group stage in World Cup qualifying. And with a win over Panama on Tuesday night, it'll make their path to Russia in 2018 much more likely. What was even more impressive than... Clint Dempsey's three goals was the fact that he was playing in the game at all. Last August, Dempsey was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat. And there for a while, it looked like Dempsey would never play soccer again. But after being cleared last month and being named on the team, it was still unlikely he would play in this game. But because of injuries, he was forced in the lineup and had an incredible game. Well, that's all I got for this week. Uh, any questions, comments, suggestions, you can go ahead and email me at lifeingeneralmi at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Life in General MI, um, on Facebook at Life in General Podcast. Please follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, just about any other podcatcher out there. We're just about everywhere now. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to us, support us any way you can. Until next time, see ya.